Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. Have a really awesome, interesting interview today where you can learn all about your human design. What's your human design? Well, I'll tell you about that in a moment. Before I dive in, I want to thank all of you who've been going to iTunes and leaving ratings and reviews. I was reading a lot of the most recent ones this morning with tears of gratitude in my eyes. So many of you have found this podcast and then joined me for personal mastery or the inner child workshop or come on retreats. And I just love that this is becoming such an incredible community. So thank you. And if you haven't left a rating or a review, just head over to iTunes. It only takes a few moments and it really helps the show grow. So here we are in July of 2020, a year that so many of us at the beginning of the year thought was going to be amazing. 2020, 2020 vision, seeing things clearly. Well, boy, oh boy, aren't we seeing things clearly. Unfortunately, some of the things that we're seeing aren't necessarily the things we want to see. Everything that we're dealing with right now feels at times overwhelming, scary, frustrating, and sad. And I know that all of you are navigating this time in different ways. Some of you are really struggling financially. Some of you are really struggling emotionally. Some of you are struggling relationally. Some of you are struggling health-wise. Some of you may not be struggling and may feel guilty about not struggling. And what I want to say to everybody listening is that no matter what is going on in the outside world, we always have dominion and a certain degree of control over what's going on in our inside world. I think the world has always been chaotic. There's always been viruses corruption, racism, and social injustices, but we've been able to kind of not know about it. And it's good that we're seeing it. It's good that we know about it. It's good that this pandemic is raising our awareness to how unhealthy we as a society, especially here in the U.S., are. Now, I think that, and I don't want to get too opinionated on this podcast, but one thing I feel strongly about is I feel the the powers that be, whoever they are, are missing a major opportunity to really educate and motivate people to change their health. There's so much research on how exercise, getting sun, meditation, friendships, our diet, and stress level all dramatically impact our immune system. And we've got people in so much fear. It's, it's fear, but it's also willingness, right? We're kind of in this, this mix of, of people being scared to death and that's why they're staying home and wearing masks. And then people that maybe not be in fear, but are willing to do the thing that protects most people and ourselves. And so have the willingness to, to follow the procedures, even if on some level you may not agree with all of them, but it's the willingness to just really do what's best. And so we have this incredible opportunity for change. (laughs) You know, people really change when they're scared or willing or both. And what an opportunity this is to start educating people on how they can eat better and sleep better and exercise and get sunshine. You know, sunshine and exercise are free. They're free. And eating better doesn't have to be dramatically more expensive. And 
People save so much money when they eat better because they have less health concerns. And so I just ask you in your own personal life, yes, wear your mask, follow the procedures, and also think about what are the lifestyle changes that the combination of fear and willingness can propel and motivate you into. Maybe for years you've wanted to clean up your diet. Well, if cleaning up your diet keeps you healthier so you don't have to worry as much about getting sick from COVID or anything else, is that motivation enough? Is getting a loved one or your parents, somebody that you care about, people in your community, more educated on fitness, exercise, diet, sleep, these very, very simple things that we've lost touch with. Maybe that's something that you can really step into. So use this as a time to make the necessary changes. And a lot of the necessary changes that I talk about a lot on this show are within. Back to what I was saying in terms of what we have control over. Yes, we can change our sleep, our exercise, our diet, and our stress level. And we can also change our emotional IQ. We can also change a lot of the unconscious wounding that is motivating so many of our patterns and behavior and causing a lot of undesirable results. You hear me on the show every week when I do a coaching episode, somebody calls in, they have a problem with current day life and usually 100% of the time, well, 99.9% of the time relates back to their childhood. So this is an incredible time to work on your wounding from your past, to get to a deeper level of healing, a deeper level of breaking through patterns and shifting behaviors so that you're no longer making choices and reacting from programming that's been there since childhood. And one of the best ways that I can help you do that is in my inner child workshop that I teach with my husband, Steph. We did one in June. It was phenomenal, everybody. Like we were blown away with the results. We're still getting emails from people in the workshop on how powerful it was. The inner child work is the bomb.com when it comes to really lasting results. And this workshop is less about processing and hashing things out and more about this beautiful connection that you make with the inner child. And so we're doing another one, August 28th through 30th. It is virtual. So you can join us from anywhere in the world. And if you can't zoom in live, then you get the recording of access to the recording for 30 days. The early bird discount is ending at the end of July. So you just have a couple more weeks. You save $100. So it's only $4.97. August 1st, the price goes up to $5.97. So head over to christinehassler.com slash inner child. If finances are a real big struggle for you, we know that so many people have been laid off, businesses are suffering, so on and so forth. We never want to make that an obstacle. So all you need to do is email jill at christinehassler.com and we will work something out with you. Again, it's christinehassler.com slash inner child. And if you do have the financial means, we ask that you do pay the price so that we have more scholarship money available for people who really, really are struggling right now. One more time, christinehassler.com slash inner child. All right. And before I tell you a little bit more about my guest for today, I want to tell you about my favorite pair of shoes. So I'm traveling again. I'm grateful that we're in Colorado right now. It's the first time I was on a plane or traveling since March, the longest time I've ever gone. 
And I've become a pro packer. Like I'm a really good packer. (laughs) I don't bring too much. I bring just not enough. And one thing that always makes my bag are my Rothy's shoes. They are incredibly comfortable, zero break-in period, have so many styles to choose from and honestly go with anything. I can wear them with shorts. I can wear them with a dress. I can wear them with jeans. And Rothy's shoes are seamlessly knit with thread made from plastic water bottles. So they are ultra comfortable as soon as you slip them on and always come with free shippings and free returns. Rothy's has kept over 50 million single-use plastic bottles out of landfills and transformed them into their signature thread. Another major bonus, Rothy's are fully machine washable. Every time they need a refresh, you can simply toss them in the washing machine. I love them because... I tend to wear them everywhere. And Rothy's owns and operates their manufacturing workshop where they prioritize sustainability every step of the way. Here is your call to action. Check out all the amazing shoes and bags available right now at rothys.com slash over. That's right. They're now making both sustainable shoes and bags. So check it out at rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash over. Style and sustainability to meet your everyday needs. Rothys.com slash over. And now let me tell you about my amazing guest, Erin Clara Jones. Erin uses human design to help thousands of individuals and companies step into their work and their lives as their truest selves and their highest potential. Human design is a synthesis of ancient wisdom and modern science that sheds light on a person's energetic makeup as well as specific tools they can use to live at their happiest and healthiest. It doesn't change who they are. It teaches them who they are. It offers insight into what's possible and highlights the significance of understanding and living as the fullest expression of themselves. Aaron's work as a guide, coach, and speaker has attracted a growing community of over 50,000 people who turn to her teachings for practical tools, digestible tips, and deeper self-knowledge so that they can live with greater ease and authenticity every day. Erin has a special gift for you that she talks about in the session, and you get 10% off your blueprint, and she'll explain what that is in the show. When you go to erinclairejones.com slash blueprint and use the code Christine to get 10% off. We talk about a lot in this episode, including more about what exactly human design is, because I know you probably still have questions, what my human design is, and how I use it to not only understand myself, but to make decisions in my life around work health, relationships, and everything else. So enjoy this awesome conversation with Erin Claire Jones. Erin, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here and dive into all things human design. So thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. And I've, everybody, I've given Erin permission to discuss my human design as an example, if she would like. We had an awesome conversation where she read my human design and it was so, it's just like, oh, I'm seen, I'm understood. It just gave me so much permission to be myself. So I hope that some of you get that same permission today. And then Erin will explain some ways that you can dive deeper with her. But before we dive in, I think we should talk about what the heck human design actually is. So can we start there, Erin? Of course. Such a good question. So human design is based on your exact time, date, and place of birth. And the idea is that it really gives your energetic DNA. So it helps you understand how you're meant to make decisions and communicate and work within teams and cultivate relationships and all the things. And for context, there are about 2 billion different configurations. So 
the magic of human design is just realizing that we're all incredibly unique and different. And human design gives us both the self-knowledge, but also the tools to really step into it. Mm. It is a combination. It draws from a lot of different systems. It pulls from astrology, the Kabbalah, the I Ching, the chakra system, quantum physics, all the things that kind of give us just like a blueprint of how we're designed to operate at our best. Mm-hmm. And all you need is your birth date, where you were born and the time you were born. What if you don't know exactly the time? So I would say if you don't know exactly the time I would, and I have that with some clients is I would just, if you know a range, look and see how much your design changes over that range. Sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes it's very little. Often like the most important pieces of your design around type and things like that will stay consistent for a bit. There are more specific pieces around like how you're meant to like eat and environments that you thrive in that might change kind of minute by minute, but often the more general pieces are okay. Okay. And I want to just, just dive into this a little bit more because I'm kind of a nerd and I like to know the history of things. So human yes. design is not astrology. Can you, Correct. can you talk about the difference between human design and astrology and also who kind of came up with this? Yeah. 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 So and this is kind of a simple answer with astrology because I've talked to so many astrologist friends. We're like, how do we describe the difference? And we're like, honestly, they're just different systems. You know, it's mm-hmm. like people assume I know so much about astrology because I do human design, but like I'm such a novice to astrology. Like I've had readings, but like it's a foreign language to me, you know? And so human design does kind of take, you can see some of the zodiac and some of the planets in human design, but it's just like, it is one piece of so many. So, and it often takes into account like even different calculations. So the astrology like plays a small role in human design, but it's kind of one of many systems that it draws from. Mm. Um, and I think also, you know, what I love about human design is like how tactical and simple and grounded it can be. And it's so specific. I think astrology can do that too, you know? So, and I don't know enough about how we can always use astrology, but also human design is not predictive. It's not going to tell you like, you know, and I don't think astrology is either, but it's not about like, you know, where you're going to be in five years or like, you know, when you're going to find love or a partner, it's just more like, this is your operating system and this is how to really leverage it. Um, in terms of where it came from. So it's been around since 1987. The founder's name is Ra Uhuru Hu. He is no longer alive, but basically had a very mystical experience. So he had formerly been an advertising executive in Montreal and had been living in Ibiza by himself at this point. And he walked home to his walked home one night and basically heard a voice and the voice was like, it's time to work. And so for basically eight days and eight nights, he channeled the system and he literally just like received all this information um, and then spent the next 20 years building it out. And now they're mm. kind of institutions and, you know, people around the world sharing it. I will say that when I first started sharing human design, it like no one had any idea what I was talking about. And it really hasn't been until the last like couple of years since early 2018 that it's really just like taken on a new energy around the world. I think people are really ready to receive it in a new way. Yeah. Yeah, they are. So let's go through the the three different, or I guess, is there three or five. four different? Five. Okay. I'm way off. <laughs> Clearly I'm not a human design expert. Let's go through the five different types and gen, like some generalizations about what they mean, some characteristics about what they mean. So maybe people can yeah. start. Cause I know even before I had my human design done, when I heard about the projector, I thought, mm, I think that's me. So I kind of self-identified before I even knew. Yes. And people often do. You know, I think that it's always so interesting to give a talk and like not have people kind of look it up till the end. But then sometimes people are like, we'll be totally wrong. So high level, there are manifesting generators, generators, projectors, reflectors, and manifestors. I will say that the type is just the first distinction and there's so much more specificity. So if you're like, wow, I kind of resonate with that and that, like there could be so many different elements in your design, but we all do have kind of one type. It's not like a combination of them. So first we have manifesting generators and generators. And so these people make up the majority of the population. Doesn't mean they're any less special. It just means like these are the people that are like the energy beings, the ones that have the energy and the life force that kind of build and create and make 
make things happen. They're really kind of meant to wake up in the morning with a full tank of energy to use up their energy in super satisfying ways for mm-hmm. the day and then kind of crash and wake up recharge. If they haven't fully exhausted their tank, they might go to bed and feel pretty just like restless because they haven't even used up their energy or just depleted because they haven't used it in the right way. So, so important for these, both of these types to just take inventory. It's like, what are the aspects of their life that are lighting them up the most, the most exciting, the most energizing? Because they funnel, can they funnel more into those things? What are the things that feel the most draining, the most depleting, the most exhausting? Can they remove their energy from those things? Because the more they're committing their energy to things that they really are genuinely lit up by and energized by, mm-hmm. the more they kind of energy they have and the more they kind of give energy to other people. And so the difference with the two is that manifesting generators often thrive when they have their energy in a lot of things at once. These people are kind of multi-passionate by nature and really aren't meant to do just one thing. So often they've been made to feel scattered or like they're doing too much, but they need that level of stimulation. They can also move very quickly and skip a few steps along the way. And so they, it's good to have people around them that can support them in the step-by-step process. And the strategy for both generators and manifesting generators is magnetism. They're really not meant to chase after things. Life is meant to come to them and they're waiting for something to trigger a gut response in them before they chase after something rather than kind of like initiating an idea from their head. Does that all make sense? Yes. My husband is a generator, so I understand that. Do you see that in him? I do. Yeah. I do. And it, that's why we're a great, we're a great balance because I'm good with like the step-by-step and the details. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yes, exactly. And so, and again, like it's going to be so advantageous to your relationship that he's like so lit up by what he's working on. Yeah. You know, so it's like generators, my partner is also a generator and it's just like the more lit up they are again, like the more amazing energy they bring into the relationship. So it's so important for them to like not overcommit and have really strong boundaries and as much as they can, like only say yes to the things that they naturally feel excited by. Obviously there are going to be some things that drain them. It could be parenting. It could be like a family relationship. Like it could be their job for a portion of time. So I understand that, but as much as they can, knowing that like committing their energy to things that they really enjoy is going to bring Mm -hmm. so much positive energy to everyone else. Mm -hmm. So then we have projectors. So you and I are both projectors. Um, Projectors are really here to kind of be the leaders, the guides, the advisors, the teachers, not here to do all the doing. And so, so much of being a projector is knowing that your worth is not in how hard you work or how much you do, but in your perspective and the way that you see the world. Mm. Um, And really learning how to honor the ebbs and flows of your energy. You're an energy projector. So it's not like you've got no energy and no one does, but it's more that like it's meant to operate in spurts and you can actually specifically in your design, you can do more in like three hours and like yeah. work all day. <laughs> and so it's like not about even doing less, it's just like doing it differently. And projectors are so naturally kind of wise about other people's energy and so sensitive to other people's energy, which is what makes them such an amazing guide. So that could show up as like a CEO, you know, just like being able to kind of like leverage and manage other people's energy. Often they make better leaders than they are doers, or it could be like one-on-one or with groups as like a coach or a therapist or psychologist, because they're so um, masterful at kind of really supporting and guiding other people by asking the right questions. And the strategy for us as projector is, is waiting for a sense of recognition and invitation. So because you bring such a unique energy to the table, it's so important that you feel really recognized and invited in and not brought into something and kind of expected to operate like a generator. Mm-hmm. I think when I first discovered this, I was like, how do I build a business as a projector? You know, am I just supposed to like sit back? And I learned that also so much of our work as projectors is about making ourselves visible and available so people can find us. So it's about like sharing what we do in a really broad way whether it's on Instagram or even with our community or in newsletters and kind of like letting the right people magnetize to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's totally how I built my business is just, yeah. I put out content. That's, exactly. that's what I did. <laughs> and that was exactly. the strategy and people found it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And do you feel like you honor the ebbs and flows of your energy? Like how does that inconsistent energy piece resonate with you? I, I didn't always. And then I had health problems. 
because, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a strong mind and I, I am more, I gear more toward that, um, achieving as a way to have identity and value in the world. That was my coping strategy as a kid. So it was, it's some, it was very hard for me for many years to be okay with not doing and Mm -hmm. to like rest when I was tired instead of pushing myself because I could just push myself. I would just, if I was tired, it's okay. Like whatever, you'll sleep later, just push. And so Mm. I've really been a lot better at honoring the ebbs and flows. And one, it's definitely improved my health over the last years. And it's also made work a lot more enjoyable for me. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing that things, it's not like I do nothing and things come to me, but the things that have come to me in my life versus the things I've necessarily planned always have been more fun, always have been better. Like the perfect example is Jill who's worked Mm -hmm. with me for almost 11 years. She pretty much runs everything. She's amazing. She read my first book and stalked me through my agent. And then finally my agent called me. He's like, you got to talk to this girl. She just like, won't give up. And we met for coffee and I just knew, wow. and, And I would not be who I am today without her. And it just, it, it came. So I've learned that. that lesson, you know, over and over again, even one of the programs we do be the queen, which is one of our, it's, it's an awesome online program. That was my husband's idea. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll do that. And it's mm-hmm. not like I've never had ideas that have gone into t- fruition, but that waiting for the invitation and trusting it will come has totally. been huge for me. And I love the example of Jill too, because it's also like in that example, her so clearly recognizing you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Just be like, wow, I just like love everything that this woman is about. Like I want to be part of this, you know? And so like, that's such a magical way for things to begin. Um, and yeah, it's not, it's not a passive thing because it is just like honing our craft and just becoming better at what we do. But there is a level of trust where it's just like, rather than like feeling like nothing's coming and I've got to just like initiate and push after things and make things happen that aren't so aligned. It's like, I've got to keep honing my craft being myself and like trusting the right invitations will emerge. Mm. Um, okay. And you, do you feel that difference between you and your partner knowing that he's a generator and you're a projector? Yes, massively. Like I have to respect his need to always be creating something and always be doing something. He does not need as much rest as I do. I know same over here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm like, don't you want to like a break? He's like, no, I'm fine. Okay. (laughs) Keep going. But then when he's tired, he wants, he's, it's like all or nothing. He's either going or he's completely stopped. And there's, there's a lot more going than there is stopping. <laughs> totally. You know, it's so, I, I had the same thing with my partner. It's like, even last night, I like went to bed at midnight, which was so late for me. And oh, he was like, that's when? so late for me. I know. Right. <laughs> I just like, I don't, this COVID time is me all wonked out, but like he, you know, is then like in his, we have our own bedrooms, which we can talk about if we want it with human design. Oh, but yes. anyways, he, he was up till 3am, like just like tinkering with these new projects and like woke up at the same time. I was like, but he's so excited. You know, he so had the energy for it. And that was so foreign for me. But one other thing I'd share is that generators often know when their energy has gone. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they've used up their battery and they're like, I'm done. Like one of our biggest shadows as projectors is not knowing when to stop and not knowing when enough is enough because we don't have this like kind of stamina that we're always working with because our energy operates and ebbs and flows. We can just keep going and going and going and literally like not know when the end is there. Mm. So it's just, again, like so important for projectors to kind of learn to pull back and take breath and not try to keep up with the generators and manifesting generators around us. Oh, yeah. So then we have manifestors. So manifestors are really the ones that are here to initiate, get things started, make things happen. Um, Not always here to do all the doing, but just to kind of get the ball rolling and get something off the ground. 
often the most important thing for manifestors is having a sense of freedom and autonomy and control. They're really not here to be kind of told what to do or managed or guided in any way. Like they're very much here to do things on their own terms and in their own way. So they can struggle a little bit in a more corporate setting if they're being micromanaged and it feels more rigid. They can thrive when they're just like given autonomy. It's like, this is your domain, do what you please, let us know how it goes. Or if they're kind of working for themselves and naturally trying their own path, um, they can be a little bit like polarizing. They've got this very kind of strong, powerful energy and in doing so they can like really inspire some people and also potentially like, you know, turn away others. And that's part of their magic. My encouragement for them is to always stand like so tall on who they are. And their strategy is all about initiating. So they're really here to make the first move, but also about informing. So they often find a lot more success when they're really keeping people in the loop of what they're choosing and when. So if they're just kind of moving through life and not letting people know that like, I've decided to go this direction with a project or I've decided to go on this trip or come home late, people can be very resistant and suspicious. And so by just kind of like letting people know what they do before they do it, they often feel a lot more support and can manifest with a lot more ease. Mm. Mm. Do you know any manifestors? I'm sure I do. I'm sure yeah. I do. Um, I think what's the biggest percentage? Is it generators or manifestors? It's generators and manifesting generators. Mm-hmm. In combination, they're like 70%, like around 30 to 35 each. Okay. And what yeah. are what are projectors? Projectors are 20%. Okay. And then manifestors are eight to nine. And then reflectors, the last type, are one. And what's the main difference between manifesting Manif- generators and manifestors? and manifestors. So, you know, manifesting generators are more similar to generators than they are to manifestors, but they are kind of this weird combination between the two. So manifestors, like they've got the energy to do things, but their energy is going to really operate in spurts. Um, and they are here to initiate and not always here to do all the doing, um, generate manifesting generators, like have the stamina to just like get things done and bring things to life very quickly and do all the doing, but they do have this ability kind of just to bring things to life very quickly. Mm. And so often some of the manifestor piece will kind of resonate with them, but they also at their heart are doers and like, and there's this desire, this like restlessness to kind of initiate for them, but they still really do have to wait for things to come to them and wait for a gut response before they actually make the thing happen. But once the gut comes, then they can like initiate and make something happen. Got it. Got it. So then we have reflectors. So reflectors are 1%, so much more rare. And these people are kind of like our collective mirrors. These people are very sensitive to their physical space and always taking everything in their environment and mirroring it back. So you really get a good sense of like how a team is doing or a community is doing or a family is doing or society is doing just by how that reflector is showing up. So it's so important for, for reflectors to kind of be very ruthless curators of their physical space and the people that are around because they're going to take it and magnify whatever space they're in. So mm. making sure their home feels good, their office feels good, their city feels good. The gift of reflectors is that they are meant to be very fluid in their identity and who they are. So they might feel different around different people and different communities, express themselves in different ways. And so just like honoring that fluidity rather than kind of trying to put themselves into one box, be like, wow, I feel different today than I did yesterday or different Mm. this week than last week and kind of honoring that. And also in the context of business, we always call reflectors evaluators just because they've got such a powerful perspective and way of seeing things and way of seeing the world. Um, So it's really good for them to be in environments kind of like projectors where they're so recognized for their perspective and their ability to kind of see things that other people miss. Mm. You said that's a small percentage as well. 1%. What category, I don't know if this is a fair question, but empaths, which I think we all are, but just different degrees, right? But people that are very, very highly sensitive to the people, the feelings of others, do they fall into a particular category generally? They can actually be any type. Mm. So it is 
basically when you look at a human design chart, which is this crazy like mishmash of like colors and white spaces, the areas that are white in our design are the areas where we are the most sensitive to kind of other people's energy. Okay. And so there are some people like you that have an open emotional center. And so basically like not only can you feel other people's stuff, but you can actually often experience it more intensely than they do. Yeah. It's super fun. Yeah. (laughs) So you're like a hybrid empath, you know? And so that can be a real shadow if it's just like not knowing how to have boundaries, getting overwhelmed, kind of getting wrapped up in other people's emotions. And the wisdom is like having this very healthy detachment. It's like, I can see where you are. I can give you language for it. I can mirror back. It can probably make you like an unbelievable coach and working with people, but also knowing how to release the stuff that's not yours. Yeah. This has been huge, huge, huge for me because a lot of people do have that emotional open center, correct? And that can be in any type, not, it doesn't matter if you're a projector or not. Yeah. 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 And you feel, feeling in that it's so powerful for me that, I mean, I had a situation recently where someone was accusing me and threatening me and attacking me for something that I had no responsibility for, but because I got so, I felt their anger and pain and desperation so much. I said things I didn't even mean, you know, I just, because I was so feeling their situation and their pain versus staying in my own truth. So this is something I've really had to work on. It's such a powerful example because again, it's just like you're amplifying their feelings. And so my recommendation in those like in those kind of situations is always to kind of like just remove your energy, like just like take it out of that space because you're often just like amplifying and meeting them where they are, you know? And even though it's not yours, you're kind of just like embodying it and feeling it. And so exactly. It's like, you say all these things, you're like, wait, that's not actually mine. Like, where did that come from? And often a potential shadow is also like a tendency to avoid confrontation because you're like, it, when you spark something in other people, you experience it more intensely than they do. So sometimes it feels like scary to do that. So yeah, learning how to like take space and know what's not yours is so key. Mm-hmm. And also with your partner, you know, your partner is actually the opposite in this way, you know, because your partner actually, and I don't know whether or not you feel this. I know, I feel like we did talk about this in our um, session, but like your partner actually projects out his emotions. And so can like kind of- You're kidding. Emotions- <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this, Okay. <laughs> So it's a, I haven't it's, noticed. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's just, it's interesting. My partner and I have this similar dynamic, but I'm the one projecting out the emotions, but like basically means he's going to set the emotional tone of the space. So like, mm-hmm. you know, if he's feeling really good, you might feel like amazing. If he's feeling low, you're going to feel it too. So, yeah. so for him to actually know that like when he's in a low, he's going to really impact the people around him. So it's actually a really good time to kind of be more reclusive and in his own energy. Yep. That's, that's been a wonderful thing for us to know in our relationship. And we actually kind of figured that out before human design because yeah. the the fixer and the healer and the, you know, feeling other people's feelings. Cause my strategy before I really learned about myself was because I was feeling someone else's feelings and they were feeling so yucky. I would mm. do anything to try to get them out of it because I exactly. couldn't feel better until they felt better. And mm. so that's been a big thing for me is when someone's in an emotional wave or having their feelings to remove myself, like I should have done in that last situation, I would have said, you sound yeah. really angry. I'm going to hang up you know, mm-hmm. I, that that's the best way to protect myself. But then, yeah. you know, the compassionate empath in me <laughs> interferes. <laughs> right. But then you have that conversation where it's like, it, right. It becomes intensified. Like when I'm in an emotional low, my partner will like be like, Aaron, like go through your thing, but like, I'll see you later. You know? And I used to be like, Oh my God, he's leaving. But it was just like, he was just like, it's not mine. Like you got to just feel your feelings. And like, when you're on the other side and when you feel clear and cool, like let's talk about it. But like, I know it's not about me, you know? And so that's actually been the healthiest thing is just like taking that space and not like getting in it with somebody when they're kind of in that emotional intense place. Yep. 
Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so can we go through some of the other like open centers so people can start to understand what those mean? Like when you have like an open throat or open root or what, what the different dynamics mean. And, and just as a PS, when you see the human design, like when, if you do a human design reading and you get back the report and you see the, the body and the, the, I don't know, the architecture of the human design, it looks like some crazy science experiment (laughs) in terms of the design. So it's really helpful to have someone like Aaron walk you through it because it's not self-explanatory. I know at all. It's not a thing where it's like, oh yeah, I totally understand that. I mean, at some point I'm excited to kind of like redesign it to make it a little bit more Mm. um, aesthetically pleasing and gentle. Um, But I do think people are intrigued by it. They're like, they're like, obviously a lot's going on, but I understand none of it. Um, So like I said, when the areas are white, it's kind of the areas where we are the most open and sensitive and where we can get taken off track, like the emotional center, but also where you have the greatest capacity to be wise. So, you know, the Mm. example of that center is like, yeah, it can be really overwhelming, but also like one of your gifts specifically is about being so wise about emotions and how they're affecting other people and yourself you know, and so kind of like writing about that, teaching about that, like so natural. Um, if anybody has an open sacral center, which is going to be true for all projectors, reflectors, and manifestors, this is the piece that I mentioned around the fact that there can be a tendency to be a little bit overzealous Mm. and just like take on too much and not know when to stop and kind of push through your tiredness. And so, so much of the gift of this is really learning how to like honor the ebbs and flows of your energy. And just again, like I said before, not know that your worth is not in like how much you do. So as a projector, it's like owning your role as a guide, as a manifestor, it's like owning your gift of initiating as reflectors, like your gift of evaluating. Um, And so just knowing that you can be very sensitive to energy, but you don't really have the stamina to kind of like work for super long hours every day. And that's not often the best use of your energy. Right, right, right. We've got the open root center. You have the open root center. And so that one is around the fact that for you, you might sometimes feel a tendency to kind of be in a rush or under pressure to get things done very quickly. And it can also be a tendency to kind of take on and amplify other people's stress. And so the shadow for you is to kind of apply a sense of urgency to everything that you do to kind of burn out your adrenals and just like everything feels like the most important thing. And you're just trying to like get out from under the pressure. And so much of your wisdom is like slowing down and sitting back and delegating and using your intuition to like know what's worth hearing from what's not. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that one shows up for you now? Yes. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Well, for sure. Does, do you feel like you're more in the shadow and the wisdom, the shadow being like in a hurry or the wisdom kind of knowing what's worth hearing for? Definitely more in the wisdom. And when I catch myself in the shadow, like for example, if I'm walking super fast through an airport to a flight that I'm just going to have to sit down and wait for, like, what's my rush? You know, what's, why am I walking so damn fast? Like what's, what, it's not a race. (laughs) So, and I try to, you know, be a little less judgy of myself, but it's, it's interesting because so you think if you're designed that way, you'd naturally work that way. Why is it that we, and I, I, I interrupted you. I want you to go back to the open centers, yeah. but so you can yeah. either keep flowing and go back to this question. But when I do want to ask, why do you think that even if we're designed this way, we so operate the opposite? I mean, that's what the founder of human design would always say. It's like, we're just like trained to want all the things that we're not. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I was so operating basically like the opposite of every single aspect of my design. You know what I mean? And so I think that human design just like reminded me of who I was and like allowed me to step into it. And as you said, it's like when people are doing work on themselves and are self-aware, they often naturally find their way there. 
you know, it's not a thing that like they always need human design for human design can just validate it. But I, I think that we're honestly just like drawn to all the things that we're not. And we can kind of like obsess about it. Like, it's just like, I'll often like tell people their strengths and they're like, Oh my God, like I thought everyone could do that. Like, that's really a thing that's special to me. Like I was trying to do all these things that felt a lot harder and like weren't actually natural to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think specifically with the open centers, why that happens is because like we are taking on and amplifying other people's energy. So it's like, because you have an open root center, you are taking on other people's stress. Mm-hmm. So you're like in the airport and you actually feel like everyone's stress, yes. and everyone's pressure. And so then you're just like reacting based on that. And so bringing consciousness and awareness to it, you're like, wow, I feel all this pressure, but I'm not actually going to do anything about it because I know that it's not mine and it's not actually worth hurting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big thing for me. And I think a lot of people listening is what's mine and what's not mine. Like exactly. that and, and tuning into something that's been huge during everything that's been going on in 2020 is tapping into that collective energy and going, you know, this is not mine. This is mine. Mm-hmm. This is not mine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's super helpful. I, exactly. I love what um, the founder said. We always want the things that we're not. It's so yeah. true. We just, we just always comparing, well, not always, but often comparing, often, yeah. looking at others. You know, that's the thing. We look to others and think, Ooh, it'd be more fun to live like that instead of embracing our true uniqueness. I know it's so wild, you know, and it's just like, and it's, it's so magical and we kind of settle into who we are and we just like appreciate how different everyone is rather than like trying to yeah. keep up with them. Yeah. And often like you and your partner, like you guys are so different and that's like often what's going to attract people to each other, you know, just cause it's like, wow, you have so much that I don't, I have so much that you don't. And there's like so much excitement in there, you know? So, um, it often attracts us to our partners as well. So, um, some other, you want me to go through all the open centers? Or just, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. That would be great. Cool. So then another big one, so this will be true for your husband, is there's something called an open identity center. Um, and that one is basically, so yours is actually a little bit more consistent here. Like you're meant to have like a very strong sense of identity, just like this is who I am. doesn't mm-hmm. always mean I know where I'm going, but like this is who I am. If you have that center open, it's like your identity is always changing and adapting and mutating. Um, and so the biggest shadow for these people is for these people is like trying to figure out who they are and like, just like always searching. It's like, I've got to find the perfect partner and the perfect job and the perfect like expression of my talents. And the wisdom is like, your, your gift is in your fluidity, not your certainty. And so my encouragement to these people is always not asking themselves like, who am I? But it's like, who am I today? Like what feels like me today? And like, let me just like, it's going to keep evolving and adapting. And often these people that have the open identity center are very sensitive to their physical space. And so one of the best things that they can do is always kind of just like be in spaces that feel good because they're going to kind of like experience that space in a really intense way, but it also makes them available for like the right people, the right opportunities, all those things. Mm. Do you sense that at all in your partner, kind of that fluidity in his Mm -hmm. identity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and also just like that ability to adapt to whatever situation he's in and exactly. sort of not become a chameleon. Cause it's not like he blends in, but he's able to pull different aspects of himself depending on the situation. Exactly. And like, the, it's all him, you know, and that's the magic and knowing that he's sensitive to his physical space and you're going to feel different things in a space. But like, if you go to, you know, post COVID, if you like go to a restaurant and he's like, this just feels wrong or this hotel feels wrong. It's like, okay, let's move. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know being in the right space is so essential for actually like having the right experience here. Um, yeah. I had to trust that because as we're recording this, he's out on a vision quest in oh, wow. the mountains and desert and rite of passage. And so no, no food. I think he has some water just completely out on his own, no contact for I think five days. And I won't have contact with him for 10 days because there's a beginning and end to it with the whole process. And I kept coming back to that wisdom you shared about he knows the environment, like he can feel space. 
because that gave me great comfort that he'll find his right space. He'll know where to go. He'll know what's safe, what's not all those kinds of things. And I think that's why he's called to things like that. Whereas that sounds like the last thing in the world that I I ever want to (laughs) do. One other thing I'd add just to maybe comfort you even more is that like one of, we all have different kinds of channels in our human design, which are like our natural strengths. So one of his is like the strength of like survival and power and having like super strong instincts about things. So just kind of like knowing like moment by moment, like exactly what you need to do to like survive and be healthy. Great. Thank you. I will sleep better tonight. (laughs) It's probably actually a really satisfying environment for him in that way because you can kind of practice that piece. Um, So then another area that's open, this is actually not true for you or your partner, but, um, and husband actually, right? Yes. Okay. Um, do you prefer husband or partner? Either one. I don't care. He's both. (laughs) All the things. So people can also have an open spleen. So again, not the case for you or your partner, but basically these people have, it's kind of associated with the intuition, but when it's open, it means that there can be a little bit of a tendency to hold on to things for too long. Like holding on to like old jobs or relationships or apartments just because they feel safe and known and secure, not because they're actually the right thing for you. And kind of like taking on and amplifying other people's fears. And so the gift for these people is like taking risks and like letting go of things when it's time and like not holding on to things for too long. So there can be this like kind of like underlying insecurity and rigidity. And for you, it's like yours is defined, which basically means you've got a very strong sense of intuition, but you also like make the people around you feel secure, make them feel safe. You kind of lend that to them. Mm. And then we've got the ego. Again, you and your partner actually both have this defined. So if you have an open ego center, which is actually true for like so many of us, so it's cool that you and your partner have it defined. It basically means that we have a little bit of an inconsistent sense of self-esteem and willpower. So it means that like we might feel amazing about ourselves one day and like super low the next. Like we might have like the willpower to get things done one time and then like not the next day. And so the biggest shadow for the open ego center is a tendency to always try to prove yourself. It's like proving that you're enough, that you're a good friend, that you're a good partner, that you're a good mom. And like just like kind of prove your worth and overcommitting and overcompensating and kind of overpromising just to prove that you can do it. Mm. And the biggest wisdom for those with an open center, which like has been so healing for me is knowing that like we have nothing to prove. Mm. And if you're ever doing something out of desire to prove yourself, it's just not going to be the right motivation. Mm. And whereas you and your husband actually both have like a very strong sense of willpower And it is good to like not prove yourself in an unhealthy way, but like make promises and keep promises and kind of build this like natural sense of self-esteem. And there's a kind of like this natural motivation and value that you guys carry. Yes. I definitely, definitely fall into doubting myself and feeling like I need to prove myself for sure at times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think we all do in some ways. I think that, but you do have this like really sense it, at least according to your design, which is unconscious, but it is like this strong sense of just like motivation. Mm. It's like when you really believe in yourself and are making promises and like holding to them, you actually like lend other people the belief that like they can do anything. Uh-huh. You know, it's like Tony Robbins is a great example of having this define like you. It's like when you're in his energy, it's like, I can do anything, you know, then people might get out of their energy and not always be able to sustain all the things, but it's just like, you really do have this amazing willpower that you can kind of like gift other people with when, you're, yeah. when they're in your energy. Yeah. That's definitely true. I know at some of my retreats, when I ask people to do things they don't want to do <laughs> at all, I'm like, yeah. come on, you can do this. You got this. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the open throat center. So this is true for your partner, not for you. So when you have an open throat, it basically means that you have a very fluid way and you'll notice there's a pattern that like there's just fluidity when it's open, it's inconsistent, but an open throat is just like a more fluid way of communicating, you know? And so the shadow of this one is not quite trusting that attention will come your way. And so there's a tendency to like initiate communication, talk too much, or even talk too 
little and just like feel feel like you'll be invisible if you don't say something mm. and feeling all this pressure to speak and like just reacting to it rather than like actually saying things that like are the right thing to say at the right time. So the wisdom of this open throat is like sitting back and giving your attention to other people and trusting that when you're invited in to share, that's when your words can have the most impact. Mm. And often these people are not meant to plan what they're going to say. So just like getting in front of people and like saying exactly what needs to be heard, just like allowing themselves to be more organic. It like allows them to kind of deliver the right message. So there's mm-hmm. so much capacity to be like such an amazing speaker with this one, you know, but it is just kind of like giving your attention to others and waiting for the invitation and not kind of like, um, feeling overwhelmed by that pressure and also finding a place within yourself where you're very comfortable being quiet. So you're kind of never speaking to feel that silence. Mm. Mm. Do you see that all on your husband and your partner husband? Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas like you've got a more consistent voice in your design. It's like from your identity, this like self-expression, this creativity, you know? So it's like, that's like kind of the most natural thing for you. But like for him, it can be so many different things. So it's like, again, learning to kind of be comfortable and quiet and knowing that when the invitation is there, his words can have tremendous impact. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have the open head and the open mind are the last two. So you guys actually both have these open. So the open mind is around the fact that like, you are designed to be quite naturally just like open-minded. Your gift is in looking at things from a lot of different perspectives and not getting locked into one way of seeing things or one perspective. Your gift is not like in your certainty, but in your fluidity. The shadow of this one is becoming too defensive. It's like, I need to be certain. I got to like have like a strong opinion about this. And the gift is like, you know what? I can see your perspective and I can see yours. And I can synthesize them all together. But my gift is not in just like seeing things in one way, but seeing mm. things from all the different angles. Mm. So kind of asking questions and knowing that you're perspective and viewpoint is like always evolving. Like often these people are meant to have like super strong and rigid opinions that are just like unwavering. It's like, I can actually understand it from all the different angles and I'm just like more curious than I am certain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that, that yeah. makes me um, good at, you know, why I love coaching people so much and, and because there's never one answer that fits every person. It's always yeah. like, Hmm, what's your unique story? You know, what's your unique thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And it's such a gift. And you can imagine when it's like, when people don't trust that gift and they're like, oh, I've got to be so certain. I've got to have like an opinion. I just like, it's so beautiful to kind of relax into it and just explore. It's like, oh, I can totally see that. I can totally see that too. And then the last open center for both of you and in general is the open head center. And it's the center of inspiration. And so both of you have this amazing capacity to be like so inspired and have all the ideas in the world. Um, but the shadow of this is basically like losing focus, feeling mentally scattered, like focusing your mental energy on things that don't matter that much or kind of getting lost trying to resolve other people's questions and other people's worries. And the wisdom of the center is knowing that not every idea that comes to you is worth pursuing. Um, and it's really just like discerning like what's worth thinking about, what's not, and often having a very simple structure to kind of guide your days. So I don't often recommend like elaborate to-do lists, but often very simple to-do lists are so important for these people. It's like, these are the two to three things I have to get done today. And then I'll leave myself time to get inspired in between. Mm. So if I just like allow the whims of my mind to run the show, I might end the day and I'm like, what in the world did I actually do? Because you've got so much capacity for inspiration, but it's good to kind of like rein it in sometimes and just like create a little bit of structure. So you stay on track. Um, and knowing that like your mind and your inspiration, like you're really here to like offer inspiration for other people. But in terms of knowing which ideas to pursue for you, it is all about your intuition. Yeah. It's not actually about like, you know, and for your partner, it's all about his like gut and sleeping on things and feeling into things. So again, kind of trusting that like, just because an idea is there doesn't mean it's worth pursuing. Yeah. That's been a big thing for us is my first reaction is usually the one to trust. And for him, exactly. it's like, we, we need to sleep on things when he has an idea. It's like, okay, let's, let's wait. 
exactly. let's, let's, let's feel it out. Whereas me, I have that initial gut and then I start to doubt myself. But that was, that was, you know, when we look back to Jill coming into my life, I knew immediately when it came to actually my husband and seeing his picture on a screen and knowing like right away, I have to follow, like, I have to find out who that person is. And when I ignore it, I regret it. I really do. Mm -hmm. And I think that for Steph, when he acts too quickly, he regrets it. Isn't it so funny? It just like, you guys are the opposite in that way, Mm -hmm. you know? And again, such a reminder that we try to be the things that we're not like you are meant to be your decision-making is like spontaneity. It's like, you just like have such a powerful intuitive knowing about things that comes in the moment and it will disappear just as quickly. And so the work is to just like act on it when it comes and be impulsive and there's no need to sleep on things, you know? It's like, if you're not getting an intuitive knowing, then of course, like wait it out. But like, it just, there's such a clarity that comes in the now, whereas like for him, it's all about his gut, but it's like, there's actually not clarity in the now. Like for him, it's all about sleeping on things and feeling into things before he commits. So there's just like such a radical difference with the two of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, this is why this is so valuable to do for those of you that are in a relationship or in a business partnership, or even if you, you know, have a parent and you can get their <laughs> birth date information, you can, yeah. it's just a time. The time's hard to get with people. I, I think know. that's the hardest part, but this is such a valuable tool to, it's, it, and that's what I love about it. It's a tool and it's a framework. It's not like you live and breathe by this exclusively, but it gives you such a greater understanding of yourself because mm-hmm. we waste so much try, time trying to be what we're not or do the mm-hmm. things that don't come easily to us. Because oh um, I remember, especially building my business, I, you know, I grew up, my entrepreneurial, you know, growing up was with some pretty big names, you know, people that are mm-hmm. really, really big in my industry. We all started at the same time and I would constantly compare myself to them that I wasn't hustling enough. And, but that's just not, that's just not who I am. You know, it's just not who I am. And when I can accept that, it's like, all right, well, this is my lane and these Mm -hmm. are my gifts. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not meant to have the same career that they do because I'm just designed differently. Totally. And I'm like defining a new way of success. You know, I think that like the earlier, you know, the founder of human design raw would always say that like human design is for the kids. Like it's obviously so valuable at any point in our lives and kind of giving us permission and the tools to be ourselves. And I love what you said. It's like, it is a framework. Like my business partner and boyfriend is like, he's like, I don't even want to say a skeptic, but it's not a thing where he's just like, oh my God, like this is our truth. He's just like, this is a tool and a framework that we can use to find our flow. But like, it's not a thing that we have to believe in. You know what I mean? It's just like, like take what resonates, leave the rest. Like it's not meant to like box you in. But I do think like when you imagine like giving it to kids like early on in their career, you know, or like teenager, it's just like, it really like, rather than going down this path that you think you're supposed to go down, it just like allows people to kind of accelerate the path to their authenticity and their truth and like get them there so much, not even getting in there quicker, but like allowing them to feel, allowing them to feel so much more aligned so much earlier. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So did we cover all the open centers? We did. Okay. Awesome. Anything else that you think would be valuable to touch on in terms of human design and how people can identify themselves in the framework? Yeah. I think they're like two pieces that I would mention and there's like endless pieces. I'll just say there's so much, you know that. So I think that like, I think that one of the most valuable areas is around how we're meant to make decisions. So we just touched on that a little bit with you, the fact that you're designed to make decisions spontaneously and in the moment, whereas your partner needs to sleep on things. This is what we call our inner authority. And so it's just so powerful because like, 
our minds are so powerful, but often like aren't always that reliable in terms of making decisions for ourselves because we, we can convince ourselves in or out of anything, you know, and so our inner authority kind of reveals how we're uniquely meant to make decisions. So if you're emotional, you are meant like staff to kind of like sleep on things and feel into things. If you are a sacral decision maker, it means that you're meant to trust your gut response in the moment. You know, there's so much talk out there of like, you know, follow your gut, listen to your gut. Not all of us have a gut response. Mm. For these people, it's like their gut response in the moment, follow it 100%. For you, it's about your intuition. Intuition is not the gut. Intuition is like a quiet knowing, an instinct, just like a resonance with something, a voice that you hear. It comes so spontaneously. There are some people that are what we call self-projected projectors and they need to talk things out and like verbally process and kind of their truth comes when they give it a voice. Other people, it's all about being in the right environment. Reflectors are actually designed to give themselves a full kind of 28 to 30 days before they make a big decision, um, which always sounds a little bit wild to me, but every reflector I talk to seems to really understand that. So it's, you know, that's so high level, but just an example of like how differently we're all meant to make decisions and how life is made so much easier when we kind of understand how our partners and our colleagues and our kids and our parents are meant to make decisions so we can kind of honor them in that process. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece that I would mention that's really interesting to look into is something called the profile. And so there are 12 different profiles. So we don't, we don't need to go through all those now, but you know, it's just such a good reminder of like how we're really here to manifest our purpose. So just to kind of give you an example of yours, which I know we've talked about is that like part of your profile. So you're what we call a one, three profile. And so the one aspect means that like you are here to be such an investigator. Like for you, it's really healthy to kind of get into the details of things and really understand how things work, mm-hmm. you know? And just like, you're here to become like such an expert and authority in what you do and like, just become a master. Like you're not a person that's like, yeah, I like did a certification program over the weekend. I'm like, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. You're like, it's like, you got to go so deep and like, just kind of build that very strong foundation. Yep. Yep. Very true. That? Yeah. Very, very, yeah. very true. And your husband has that too, actually. Yeah. Um, And then the other piece is that you've also got this three in your profile and the three is like, you're really here to kind of learn through just like trial and error and experimentation and making mistakes and failing and learning. And like for you, even when we think about this podcast, like, you know, we were connected by Lori, but like you had to really experience it first. Like when you have Mm -hmm. a three in your profile, like you've got to like taste something and touch it yourself to actually know, like if it's the right thing, it's not just like, Oh, I trust you. Okay. It's like, no, no, I've got to experience it. And so like the threes, like it's, it's just like all about experimenting with things and knowing that like mistakes are so much a part of your process because like you are as much here to discover all the things that don't work as you are here to discover kind of all the things that do. And so just kind of like being in the mess of it all and knowing there's such a wisdom in that because like you're the person who can like write a book or share the wisdom that it's like, I've tried all this, all these things. I've done all these things. Like these are the things that have actually worked for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that? Yeah. Yeah. And you feel sure. like you embrace that kind of just like need to make mistakes and experiment? Or do you think there's more of a need to kind of perfect and get it right the first time? Oh, no. I, you know, it's so funny. A lot of people think I'm a perfectionist because I'm a Virgo yeah. <laughs> and I'm detail oriented, but I'm not. Yeah. I really, you know, have to try something and would rather get it done than make it perfect. It's, it's funny because even with decorating my house, my mom and my sister have a much better eye than I do. And <laughs> I love beauty and I love beautiful environments, but I don't, it doesn't come naturally to me. So it's more about, let's just try a bunch of things and see if it works and see if it's good enough versus I have to find the perfect. It's like, I have to find the perfect dining room table. No, I just have to find one that works. So it's off my to-do list. That's more how I relate to it. Yeah. And it's so funny because there is one of the channels in human design is all around like beauty and perfecting and often like a lot of architects and designers have it. So there are some people that are just like such naturals at that. Yeah. And I think the the last piece I'd share is that, you know, there's a profile, there are lots of different ones there, but also 
you know, things called your channels, which are basically like your innate strengths. So these are often like the least actionable pieces, but they're just so um, validating and also like things that you can really step into. So for you, and actually both of yours are unconscious, but like, um, the big ones for you is like, you've got the gift of like sales and marketing. I know I've mentioned this to you before, but like an ability to like really intuitively message things in a way that people can really hear and kind of like adapt your messaging to lots of different audiences and being so efficient at what you do. And honestly, an ability to kind of sell anything. So it's all about just like selling things that are actually in integrity for you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's true. Cause when you said I'm great at sales and marketing, I'm like, really? But that's the, that's the thing. It's only things that I'm really passionate about. Only things that are integrity with me. Yep. 100%. And then And then you also have the strength of creativity of just like self-expression and like expressing yourself in a really kind of bold and unique way. And by doing that, you really inspire all the people around you to kind of be equally bold. And there's such a natural leadership to this strength that often people like aren't always interested in being followed. They're just like going in a direction and people like want to go in that direction with them. Um, So just like knowing that like just self-expression and creativity, like such integral parts of your design. Mm, mm. I love this. It's so, this is just so, so interesting and so, so helpful. And I know that you have a special offer for our listeners to get a blueprint, to get the overview. So if your head is swimming and you're like, oh my gosh, what's my open channel? What's my inner authority? Like, what am I? It's there, there's a way you can find out and Aaron can give you a blueprint. So will you talk a little bit about that? Of course. So Yes, there are lots of ways to go deeper. I know it can feel a little bit overwhelming at first. So one of my offers, which I think is like the best place to get started is something called the Blueprint, which is a 30-page PDF on your unique design. And it covers all the key pieces, your type, your strategy, your authority, your open centers, your channels, your profile, all that stuff. And the idea is that it's meant to kind of be like a written manual that you can keep returning to. Like I'm kind of integrating different pieces over time because I always say like, we come into this life without an operating manual and human design just like quite literally gives us the manual. And so it's at aaronclairjones.com slash blueprint. And the discount code is Christine. Yes. C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E for anyone that doesn't know how to spell my name. <laughs> this is great. And let me ask you this, just as we wrap up here, how has human design been most helpful for you in your life? Like what's something that it was such a, uh, aha moment or such a permission slip that you were able to let something go that you couldn't let go of previously. Mm-hmm. You know, my background has been mostly in like startups. That was kind of the world that I was in. And I was like, prided myself on how much I could do, which projectors can sometimes like swing early on in their lives, but then they burn out very quickly. And I think that human design was just like, it just everything pivoted when I discovered human design, because I was like, you know what? Like I could be good at that stuff, but like, I don't really enjoy it. It's not like my area of mastery. And like, it just like human design gave me permission to operate in such a different way and just like really be a projector, which was like really master a thing, you know, not get lost in all the doing. And I also think that it's transformed my relationship, both with my family and with my partner, because like, I just think that I have given myself permission to operate in a way that's so authentic and different mm-hmm. to me and also have given the people around me just permission to be them. You know, I think we get so tripped up when we kind of expect someone to be more similar to us or different than what they are. But like when we just like accept people's differences and like honor that we all operate really differently, there's so much magic that comes. So I think it's honestly just allowed me to be in my lane in such a powerful way and also support everyone around me and kind of being in their own lane too. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for stepping into your gifts, for finding this incredible technology and for sharing with us in such a relatable way, because that's the thing, like it's, it's dense 
you know, human design, it's kind of like the Enneagram. It's, it's dense Mm -hmm. and you need someone that has studied it and you've studied it for over five years now. Mm -hmm. So everyone, I I highly recommend Erin and her work. I've tried it, of course, (laughs) before I recommended it. Yes. And it's just a beautiful way to understand yourself. And I like it that it's not predictive like astrology, because I think that can get a lot of people in trouble. Uh, Wait, I was supposed to meet the love of my life in April of 2020 and it hasn't happened. You know, there can be a lot of that. I think astrology is useful in certain degrees, especially when we're going through a solstice or new moon to like tap into the energy. Mm -hmm. But I think we need to be really careful when we get into the predictive stuff. Versus human design is more understanding and and it's a blueprint. It it just really gives us a deeper understanding of ourselves and ways that we can work and love and communicate and make decisions in ways that don't deplete us, but really enliven us. So thank you for this work and tell everybody the website and discount code one more time. Mm -hmm. So website is erinclairjones.com and there's info on sessions there too, but the discount code is Christine um, for the blueprint. And then um, what else is this supposed to say? That's it. That's it. Let's oh, spell that's it. Great. Spell Aaron okay. Claire just so people. Oh, yeah. E R I N C L A I R E J O N E S dot com. Awesome. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Such a pleasure.